love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And this is a big week for the both of us. We're kicking off a race week for both Haley and myself. And Haley's coming to the East Coast. I feel like it's called, it's East Coast, right? Upstate New York is East Coast. That, that counts. And so I'm really I, excited. Based on my, my flight time, it's definitely East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Going into the Eastern time zone, at least. So, and you'll be on the coast of a lake. So that will work. Um, but super exciting that we both have some big things to talk about today with with races. Haley, how are you feeling going in? So Haley, you're racing Clash Watkins Glen, which is in upstate New York. It's at Seneca Lake. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Seneca Lake. And then we ride in the surrounding area and then we get to run on the Watkins Glen racetrack. And Alyssa, and I did find distance, a great... Right? Yeah, it's kind of close to half distance. It's a 1.2 mile swim, 50 mile bike, 10 mile run, which I'm kind of excited about because how many times have you been like doing a half Ironman and it's like, I wish it was over now. The extra six miles are a little excessive, right? Same thing with Ironman. I'm like a hundred miles is plenty. So I'm like, okay, let's do 50. I like this. And then the 10 mile run is three loops around the Watkins Glen racetrack, which is actually quite hilly, but there was an error in um, the initial race course. It said 400 feet of climbing per loop, which is quite a bit, you know, to do over 1200 feet of climbing in only 10 miles, but it's actually 400 feet total, which is oh, a lot more reasonable. Okay. Like, actually the race, uh, there was a car race at Watkins Glen that was on TV last week. And Betty Janelle, longtime listener of the podcast, friend of mine was like sending me screenshots of the TV and the racetrack. And she said, it looked beautiful. And then I was like, how big are the hills? Because I'm like, trying, I'm like, are they really short and steep? And then she's watching. She's like, no, they look actually pretty gradual. And so I was like, okay. So I'm like getting course Intel from the TV, which is fun. So, um, anyway, they, I think it's going to be really fun. I think, um, actually today's guest, Beck Wassner, I think she is going to be racing as well as Leslie Smith, Sophie Watts. I think Sarah Bishop, um, I'm sure I'm missing a few who were on the email because guess what, Alyssa, like before the race, we actually get to go to a wine tasting. I think I said this last week and you mentioned the- I thought it was season. after the race. It's before. Oh, it's before. Well, there's before the race is like a special pros only wine tasting. Whoa. And then after the race is like you get free entry into the wine festival that's happening. Oh, okay. At okay. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm probably going to get more wine than I've had in like years. I know. I feel like before the race, they're going to be like, oh, we need half the amount that we thought we would be (laughs) using for these. These people aren't drinking any wine, but. uh... (laughs) Oh, oh, please. I'm going to have a good time. (laughs) You should definitely, yeah, pretend, pretend you're having a great time and make your competitors also do have a great time. And then, you know, it can't hurt. It's two nights before. It's two nights before. good. Um, and then I, you know, you're not supposed to do anything on ra- new on race day. And, but I just got the new Hammerhead Karoo 2 bike computer in the mail. So Hammerhead is a new podcast sponsor. And so 
I gave it a couple tries because, you know, I don't want to use a new bike computer on race day. I make sure like it's set up, you know, how I like it and everything like that. And I think I'm going to use it. Oh, okay. So they are a new podcast sponsor. I have not been doing much riding, so I will be experimenting with my crew too after this week, but tell me like, what are the differences from kind of the standard bike computers maybe we have been using, or did you find any features that you liked particularly with it that I should look out for? So the first difference is that the display is a lot bigger than the bike computer I was using before, and um, which is kind of nice. You just get to see more. And then I never used like the maps feature really. I think I had a I had a Wahoo element before and I think it had maps, but it was again very small display. I was like, eh, whatever, I know where I'm going. So I never really used that, but I think the crew two is much bigger display. And so I actually did use the maps feature and I just kind of I was riding a familiar route. And um, but it's kind of cool to see it show up on your screen. And then this was the cool one, Alyssa. I, you know, rode a familiar route with hills that I am familiar with. And I actually could see, you can see in real time on the screen, the grade of the hill, like as you're going, like you see where it's like starts at 1% and then maybe it kicks up to three. And there was this one hill that, um, I mean, a couple hills that I was like, whoa, this is a 10% grade. Like I'm going to give myself a little more credit for this. Um, there's this one hill that a couple people around Bozeman don't always love, but I love riding. It's called Kelly Canyon. And it gets to 12.7%. So that might explain why people don't love it. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably is a little piece of that puzzle, but I actually use map features a lot. So that makes me super excited to try my Karoo too. I figured, I figured they had the map things dialed in because I think, um, previous Iron Women podcast guest and friend of the show, will say Lael Wilcox, I think she uses the Karoo um like back early the maybe the first version she had that so I fit and she does those like crazy long gravel rides and bike packing where she would really rely on that map feature so I kind of thought it would be good at that which is good because I use it quite a bit I like to try to not ride the same route twice sometimes like for long rides I'll plan slightly different roads and things like that but I obviously can't memorize it so I always plug in the map and like it when my computer can tell me but you're right some bike computers have just such a small display. It gets really confusing. You miss your turn. You're not quite sure is it telling me to turn yet or that kind of thing. So I am really excited. That makes me makes me happy. I'm excited to give it a try. I think it can also show you if there's like a coffee shop along your route or something <laughs> like that, that, which could be very like, helpful. Yeah, for race week recovery, which we both have coming up. We'll have to like dial in the coffee shop or donut rides or something. Yeah, no, exactly. So definitely we'll be playing with all those features. And I do think I'm going to probably race with it this weekend. So I will uh, report back. And if that is, if it, how it, how it works and um, all of our listeners, you can go to hammerhead.io. And if you enter the code iron women, you can get a free heart rate monitor right now, if you buy a crew too. So you have to put both the crew too and the heart rate monitor in your cart, enter that code iron women, and then it will make the heart rate monitor free at checkout. So you know, I also love training with heart rate. So big fan of big fan of that bundle, but um, we're excited to have Hammerhead on. And I think this is one that we had that mailbag question a little while ago about, uh, you know, supporting us if you're outside the US. And we do believe that this code will work even if you're outside the US. And so Hammerhead is based in New York, I think it's, it's a US company, but I do believe they sell and ship to um, other countries. So Try it out. And if it doesn't work, let us know. <laughs> so but we think it will work. And, um, and thanks to Hammerhead for, for joining the team. 
And Haley, so my race week is a little unconventional, but perhaps like conventional for myself, right? So I am going to be running another FKT attempt this week. I'm really excited. Oh, I'm starting. Nice. This will be out on Thursday. We're recording early because it's like a multi-day event. So I'm starting Wednesday. So if you're listening on Thursday, I started yesterday and I will put tracking into the show notes. Well, our lovely feisty team will do the put my tracking link into the show notes for us and you can see how I'm doing. Um, I'm starting on Wednesday early morning, hoping to finish by Friday, by Saturday evening. So it's going to be three and a half to four days of fun in the mountains. Wait, what mountains? So I will be heading to the white mountains. Um, in 2020, I went to the Adirondacks and set the supported women's FKT for the Adirondack high peaks. There's 46 peaks above 4,000 feet in the Adirondacks. And so this is a very similar um, mission, I guess you could say. In the White Mountains, there are 48 high peaks. Um, so there's 48 mountains above 4,000 feet. And so once again, I can drive between trailheads because I'm doing supported. I can have pacers. I can um, link up the peaks to my own route. So I'll be doing like a unique route, um, different than other people who have gone before. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. And the White Mountains are in New Hampshire? Yes. Yep. So they're all in New Hampshire. And I, uh, I mean, I, wait, so what is the current record and who holds it? So interestingly, um, the men's, well, the overall record was just broken two weeks ago um by will peterson so the new overall record is now three days 12 hours and 35 minutes um the women's record is four days 14 hours and 15 minutes and 31 seconds by stephanie bishop which she set last summer so i have to finish by if i start on time like yeah saturday around 4 30 p.m to break the overall record and then I would have another day or so to break the women's record if I don't break the overall. Okay. So based on your initial, uh, you know, explanation of this, it sounds like you're going for the overall record, which always reminds me of our conversation with Jennifer Farr Davis years ago when she was like, why not go for the overall record? So is that you're taking Jennifer Farr Davis's advice to heart even three or four years later? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I have a, I have strong feelings that if women want to like see themselves breaking the women's record and like, that's what you feel good putting your plan together for, like in something like this, then by all means, there's like, obviously no shame in that. I've done that twice, you know? Um, but when I started looking at what I thought I could do, I was like, wow, my, my plan matches up more with the overall record. And it's like, you know, I would rather push myself at that point to go for that. Um, because I think I can, you know, and not to say, well, to be honest, like when I looked at my plan for the Adirondacks, like I just didn't think I could go 12 hours faster to break the overall. Right. So you have to, I, you know, kind of look at it and then set your goals accordingly based on how you want to approach it. I think that's totally fair. So in this instance, I do think there's a good shot that if things go well, weather co cooperates and my body cooperates, um, you know, it's always I'm two years older now, so we don't know what could, when the wheels will start falling off. But um, I think, yeah, I think I can give the overall record at this point a run for their money. 
And is there going to, oh, you mentioned the tracker. Is there going to be anyone like on social media giving some color commentary? Because I do remember the Adirondacks. It's a little hard to follow because it's not like a straight A to B kind of long trail type of, uh, of route. And so, you know, last time we had Megan Jensen, one of your athletes who was very familiar with the Adirondacks kind of offering some color commentary. Is anyone going to be able to do that this time? Well, I have some good news. So the tracking link that is posted below will actually be a different tracking link than I've used in the past. I'm working with a company called adventure enablers and they do like live tracking for things like this. They do it for adventure races and for, you know, running races, but they also do kind of one-off services where you can hire them to track your FKT if you want. So they have put together an interface that's hopefully a little bit more user-friendly than just watching the Garmin inReach kind of tracker and you have no idea what's going on. So it should actually be able to show you as I hit each peak and kind of count them off. And then you can figure out how many I have left. It's going to have um, my icon and then it will have like a little trophy icon kind of moving along. That will be the pace of the current women's record. We couldn't have two go in. And so um, they just wanted to use the, the women's record because that's kind of like my backstop for either record. So as long as I'm ahead of that trophy, um, then I will be setting a record, which is good. Um, but I'm hopeful that, yeah, you'll be able to see a little bit more just based on seeing the peaks. It has my whole route, so you can kind of see where I'm going next and all of that on there, which wasn't available in the Adirondacks. But you mentioned Megan Jensen. So Megan Jensen's actually coming to this um, as a part of the crew. So she'll be out there pacing me for several of the peaks. And as things worked out, she actually is getting a lot of overnight shifts. And so um, I'm sure she'll be catching up on sleep during the day, but I think she'll also be able to get into cell reception during the day and hopefully, you know, might send out a few updates, but I don't, I don't make any obligations for my crew on social media or anything like that because I feel like they already have plenty to do. Um, but my hunch is that there will be some updates coming out. Okay. Well, we'll be following Megan and anyone's social. If anyone wants to uh, tag me, I will hopefully be on social more a little more than I usually am. And maybe I'll post that out for, for all of our followers, but good luck to you. I'm excited to, to track you as you raise the trophy on it's cool that technology is, uh, makes that a little bit easier to, to follow. Um, I'm, I'm excited for you and, you know, I'll be just, couple states over and maybe we'll be finishing around the same time. I know. I was just thinking that I was like, I guess you'll probably be me to your finish line before mine necessarily, but, um, it will be, yeah, it'll be, I like to channel things like that. Like when I'm out there pushing on Saturday, be like, Haley's going on the bike right now. Like I can climb this last little mountain, you know? So, um, so that'll be fun. I will say the Watkins Glen starts at 9 a.m., which is like oh. a very civilized start time yeah. for, for a triathlon. I was like, woo, I could do this. I know. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so we might be finishing around the same time. Um, and speaking of races, okay, we are, like you mentioned, we were recording this a little bit early. And this morning, Challenge Roth happened, which is a huge race in Germany. It is, you know, just basically a very marquee event for the challenge family series. And did, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to see what happened. Did you see what happened, Alyssa? I saw a few updates come through my feed this morning, but I didn't get to see really how the race unfolded, but I, I did kind of catch, um, a screenshot, I think shortly after of, it, of the winner. Um, I saw a few updates on the men's race and then I did catch the women's podium, um, as it got posted, but I didn't actually get to watch the race. So have you, did you watch anything? Did any, anything exciting like happen 
out there before we get to the the final podium. I was not awake to watch it live, okay. but I am very thankful um, that there's replays. And then I did wake up to text messages from a couple of my friends who are not actually triathletes, but they are triathlon fans who happen to be up and watching it. And I'm really thankful for, for their insight because they were like, oh my gosh, this race looks amazing. And, um, and so anyhow, one, that's probably what you saw, what 822 with a 246 run split. I mean, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Laura Phillip going 818, Chrissy's record, which was set at Roth in, I think, 2011, is 818. So Annie Haug was only four minutes off that record. I mean, incredibly fast racing. Uh, Fenella Langridge second with 831. And the exciting thing was that Fenella actually led through the half marathon of the wow. run. So it took her that long for Annie to, to pass her. And Fenella also ran a three-hour marathon, extremely fast. And I think I alluded last week that I thought – you know, I think Vanilla had a solid race in St. George, but it did seem like she wanted more. And so she went for it in Roth and um, ended up second, 831, incredibly fast time. And Judith Corcon was sec or third, excuse me, um, rounded out the podium, Spanish athlete, 846, another extremely fast day. She ran down Laura Siddle on the run. Laura came in fourth and Rebecca Clark fifth from, from New Zealand all the way uh to Germany fifth place. So incredibly fast racing, incredibly um, fun racing. Again, I think last year there had been some construction. We talked about that the, the times last year on the bike, the bike course was a little short. And this year they were able to bring back that solar hill, which has like just thousands and thousands of people where it's like a foot across, you know, or a meter across. So you're just like winding through it. And it looked amazing. And that's what, um, you know, some of my, my, friends who had been up and watching it were just saying that it looked really cool. I think 250,000 spectators, Wow, which is just insane. And it's cool to see that back, race back in full force and full distance and full spectators. And I think Belinda Granger and Lucy Charles Barkley were commentating. And so I think I heard, you know, watched some of the replay and the commentating seemed really good. A lot of great, like actual insight from Lucy who has won the race there and also had a very close second place finish. So uh, I think it, it it kind of reignited my fire a little bit, like for racing and for maybe getting to that race eventually. I really, that is a bucket list run. I'm like, I want to see those crowds. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was, it was fun to follow a lot of the coverage coming out of there the last week. They always do kind of some, you know, key events in the, the days leading up that are kind of iconic and just seeing those pictures. I mean, it definitely looks like a destination to get to, to race. So I agree that one, that one should get, get done before, um, before long. Yeah. And shout out to, you know, I guess, I think we need more fans. Like, you know, my friend Shelly, who, you know, is so into it and so excited and, you know, has such good, I mean, she knows so much about triathlon. Maybe we'll have to have her on as like a, for pre-race or something like that, because for someone who, you know, I don't think you have to be doing the races to be a fan. And that's like, we need more people like that because <laughs> I mean, she knows so much. It's amazing. It's really cool. And, um, but you know, Shelly, if you ever do want to do a triathlon, you know who to ask. And Haley, one other quick note for people before we get into the interview for this week is that uh, my, I am not faking you guys out this week. My Title IX um, podcast episode of the nine, nine voices for Title IX um, that's coming out on the Women's Performance Podcast feed. Mine actually drops this week, Haley. I've been saying it's been dropping for like the last two weeks, but no, 
July 7th is my day. And so it is my interview with Julie Moss this week. And I had a really good time interviewing Julie. It was fun to kind of reconnect after we had had her on Iron Women in a previous season, like a while ago. So we got to catch up um, just, yeah, and talk kind of on a different avenue than what we talked about on Iron Women. So it was really fun. And you guys should all check that out this week. I'm excited. I'm excited for your your episode. And Julie Moss is always just a, such a fun conversation in person, on podcasts. She is a great ambassador for the sport. And I think it's cool that she's still racing and still so into it. So I, I'm excited to hear your conversation with her. So I will definitely be tuning in. Um, and, and that's on, is it still on the Women's Performance Podcast feed? Is I think that right? so. I think, yeah. 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 So, but we'll make sure we, uh, share it and everything so people can find it but hopefully they've been they've been listening to all of them and um because i think they have been just unique really cool stories for the last couple of weeks but excited for yours and Alyssa, we have we have a fun interview this week are oh, you ready for this i am ready i know yeah i'm ready i'm ready okay i'm gonna <laughs> intro her so this week we are talking to beck wasner and beck is the three-time winner of the new york city triathlon she was the first woman to three-peat and she was the first new yorker to actually win the pro race so beck does live and train in new york city she's also a coach she manages the athlete food instagram account and website and she helps raise her three children right there in the city and so Beck is twin sisters with fellow triathlete, uh, professional triathlete, Laurel Wassner, who we interviewed last year. And it's pretty cool. She talks about their 2010 finish where they actually finished first and second in that New York City triathlon and how special that was to both of them as New Yorkers, as sisters, as professional triathletes. I think that that would have to be one of the coolest moments ever. And so Beck is going to give us some specific details about the New York City Triathlon, which is a podcast sponsor. So you can always uh, head to that website if, if you're inspired by this conversation and sign up for the race. But it's happening in just a few weeks. It's on July 24th. And Beck tells us what, what makes this race so special. She gives us some special tips um, about the race course and how she approaches it. And she tells us more about her unique career, which has spanned decades, and she still has plenty of things she still wants to do with that. So we're going to talk to Beck right after the break. Hi, Beck. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Oh, hey, guys. It's great to be talking to you. Finally, after all these couple of years of not seeing anybody at races. Yes, we have missed seeing you. I didn't see you at the LA Triathlon, I think, last October, but... Um, but I think your most recent race was the U.S. Masters 10K Championship. It was in Massachusetts yeah. in late late April. And I looked at the results, and you actually won the women's 45-49 age group. You ran a 39-11 10K. And so we know you as more of a triathlete, but do you just, like, enjoy throwing in their occasional road race? Yeah, so my plan for this year was to kind of get back to my roots, which was running first. Um, after, like I said, a couple of years of not really racing, I, I kind of had a little lost and like, what do I want to do next? And I, I don't know how it came on my radar, but the USA track and field masters series, um, somehow I got it in my head. Like I've got to do one of these and I've got to win one of these. So, um, it just happened to be that the first one was in Syracuse, which is in New York, not too far from, um, where I live. And it was a half marathon. So I trained for that in March. I got second. And then I looked at to see where the next one was in the uh, series and it was in Boston or outside of Boston. So I was like, all right, got to do that one. Um, and that was the 10K. 
And yeah, it, I, I pulled off a win there. So it was very lucky. I, it was not my best race, but um, it was fun, really fun to be able to compete against um, 40 plus theme. And it was really interesting because everybody that was in competitive in the race, what had an athletic, like a running background from like kind of my era, it's like the names were familiar. Um, so it was kind of fun. Yeah. And like you said, a win is a win, right? On any kind of, on any given day. And so you said masters running categories are age 40 and up. So is the vibe different at a race like this? Like, does it feel different from a race that has, you know, younger runners? Is it like, how's it feel? I guess. Definitely. Um, it was, it just gave me like hope for running in the future because, um, there were people of every, you know, goes up from 40 to 45, 49, 50, all the way up to like 90. So people are still competing for a national championship at that age. So it was, it was kind of like, wow, yeah, I could keep doing this for a really long time if I wanted to. And that's different. I find that like to be a little different than pro triathlon. Yeah, but absolutely. And, and you mentioned you have a collegiate uh, running background and then you started the sport racing draft legal triathlon. I think it was around the mid 2000s. And then in more recent years, it seems like you've focused on mid middle distance, non-drafting races. So I'm curious, like, as you've gone through your career, have you followed a specific strategy to select races and has that strategy changed? Uh, when I first started, I was trying to, I was in the Olympic um, qualifying track. So I was trying to get points to make it to the World Cup races, uh, which was what they were called then, like the highest level. Um, and then try to get to the Olympic trials and all of that. Um, so those, those races were like, wherever the race was, just get on a plane and go. And it could have been in like New Zealand for a weekend, uh, which I did do uh, just to collect points. Um, but then as I started doing more draft legal races, those were mostly in the US. And there were a bunch of series that I also kind of followed along and did the races in the series. And then most recently, it's been kind of nice to just um, race more for myself. Um, and like my own personal goals and try to just pick things that seem interesting. Um, locations that I like are easy to get to for me right now is really big. Um, it helps being able to like continue to do the sport, uh, make it easy on everybody else in my life uh, that I don't have to travel too far. Uh, but I do have some ideas about like maybe one a year to travel somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of nice and like refreshing to be able to just choose the distance and um, the location. And I like to do all distances still. And Beck, the New York City Triathlon is one of our podcast sponsors. And you're no stranger to the race as the first New Yorker to win the pro race and the first woman to three-peat after your wins in 2009, 2010, and 2011. So do you plan to race the New York City Triathlon on July 24th this year? Yes, I'm definitely going to run. It's my favorite race uh, of all time. Uh, not just because it's a hometown race, but it's just so fun. And it's a, it's a hard race. Um, it's really hilly. Uh, it's challenging. It's fair. And yeah, it is like, because it's a hometown race, it's like a big party. So everybody comes out and you just, it's nice to, a nice day to be in the park, um, to be outside and to see everybody outside racing. It's kind of like the marathon, but like on a mini scale. Yeah. So for our listeners who aren't familiar, the New York City Tri is an Olympic distance race, non-drafting. It has a 1500 meter swim, 40K or just under 25 mile bike, and then a 10K or 6.2 mile run. And like you mentioned, it is a truly urban course. It's right in New York City. And so I know there likely have been some course changes over the years, but 
other than being hillier than we might expect, can you tell us anything about this year's course? Well, um, every year that I've done it, which has been since 20, no, 2002, so a long time, um, it's always been the same course, um, except for two years that it turned into a duathlon last year, um, which is always like, oh, the worst thing that a swimmer could ever, like a swim, somebody with a swimming background could ever hope for. But um, it just makes the race even more challenging. Um, so yeah, the, the swimming in the Hudson is a little daunting to a lot of people. Um, and it was to me when I first started as well. I and mean, I just, in order to get over that, I, I did some swim races in the Hudson. And then I was like, you know what, this is just like any other body of water, just get in it and get out and move on. Um, so the, the race the, has huge current. So the swim itself is actually the easy part for everybody, even non-swimmers. Um, and then the bike is uh, Manhattan, upper Manhattan especially is really hilly. So it's just pretty much up and down um, for the whole 25 miles. And then the run, you run across, there's one, this actually, I should I take that back about no changes. Last year, there was a change in the run course. So you do start the run with a probably like about a mile uphill, um, which is different than it has been, had been in the past because you kind of got like the one flat part of the course out of the way at the beginning um, in the previous years. But now it's like about a mile uphill and then you get hit the park and it's just continuous hills the whole rest of the way. Uh, but that's where you, you're going to see your friends and your family. And it's like, it, that's kind of the fun part, even though it's the hard part. Are they still doing a dive? When I did it in... 2014 I feel like we dove off the dock are they still oh, doing a dive start oh, okay so the pros are doing a diving start and this year they also announced a um duathlon um only like a you could sign up to do a duathlon it's not like signing up for a try and then it turns into one um so if you don't want to swim at all you can still have the full race experience that's definitely advantageous I think for those people who are always hoping for the canceled swim yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I like even when they do cancel the swims, it's not just the swimmers that are upset. It's like people that train for swimming and they want to do the whole triathlon. Exactly, exactly. And I will say that as daunting as the Hudson River can be to swim in, I think I had a very good swim there. So it's a faster swim, right? It's yes. down current. And yes. so it ends up being an advantageous swim. So I think if you keep that in mind, you're like, I mean, I'll swim in anything if it's going to help propel me down the down the, the way. Yeah. And if, especially if you catch the right current, uh, then it's even better. Are there secrets to catching a current in the Hudson? Um, it's just that you don't want to be too close to the wall. Um, and as it, it depends on like, sometimes the pros get a better current. And as the day goes on, it gets uh, like slower for everybody else. And the tide starts to go out. So you can actually see some rocks. So most people know not to go near the wall because that's where the rocks are. But just keep in mind, like, don't go too close to that wall. Okay. I did watch a video on the New York City Travel website that kind of went through, like, the science behind when they start the race and on what day the race is to take advantage of that current. And then um, I, I did see where it, like, can change, like, within an hour. And so that, that is very interesting, like that there could be an advantage to being a pro. Um, I mean, I think there's a few advantages to being a pro, but even a faster swim in this race, but you mentioned the New York city marathon. And I think you went sub three there as maybe your first marathon back in 2002. And so both the New York city marathon and the New York city triathlon feature finishes in central park. How special is a central park finish line? Yeah, that marathon was, really hard <laughs> that my first um, New York City Marathon it was one of those races where it was going great 
um, for the first half. And then I actually didn't even almost didn't allow myself to have that Central Park finish line because I wanted to drop out so badly. And my sister was on Fifth Avenue and she was like, you're still on track to get your best time, but it was so far off what I thought it was going to do. Um, so she encouraged me. I got through the park and it was like, I just, I looked down at my watch when I finished and I was like, okay, I did get a PR. This is worth it. And now it's all these years later, it's still my PR. So it was uh, a pretty good way to, you know, I'm glad I did it. Um, but when I, then several years later, when I did my, um, when I won my first New York City try, um, that was a special day because it was, it was coming into the park when I realized that Laurel was also um, doing really well and she was in second place. Oh, that was not my first year. Sorry, this was the year that she got second. But it was like, that was a magical thing. So like that, every time I run by that in training, I always still kind of have that same feeling of like, oh, this is where I heard through the race radio that she was going to get second place uh, or that she was in second place. So it is, it is a pretty special place. And the New York City Triathlon also starts really early. I do remember this piece of the puzzle. It was like a very early start to me. But it's kind of cool because then you're getting to the start through like the deserted streets. I feel like New York City, is New York City the city that never sleeps? But like there was a lull. There was definitely like a quiet time that we were going through to get to the start for that early 6 a.m. start. And, you know, we already talked about you get to have that faster swim. So folks should be, you know, having a pretty quick race. Might, you know, we, we'll skim over those hills in the bike and the run. But um. And that leaves them with a day ready to sightsee and refuel post-race. So do you have suggestions for what people should do or see as part of their post-race celebration? Um, yeah, it does start at 5.53 for pros. So it's so early. And I every year we're back home oh. and like having brunch before. <laughs> most I like a normal time. brunch time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Like at the four o'clock, I usually set my watch um, alarm for like 3.20 for that because um, I've been doing it so many times that I, I still have it in my um, phone every year by New York City try wake up and it's when we go downstairs like the doorman they're they're, they're like tending to people that are coming in you know, from cabs and coming back from a night out um, so and then the ride up there there's always people on the path because I usually just ride up the west side highway to the race start it's about like a 15 minute bike ride um, at that hour it's you never know what you're going to see most times you go outside in New York, you never know what you're going to see. But um, yeah, so after the race, like it's just, yeah, collect your award. Hopefully you'll get one and then um, go to the award ceremony and then just go back and yeah, find a great place to eat and eat outside and walk around, enjoy the city. All you have to do is walk around and you'll find something. Um, good yeah. to know. And Laura, Beck, moving on more to you and, well, you and your sister are quite the team on, on social media. You manage the Instagram account, Athlete Food, and the accompanying website, athletefood.com, and they feature gorgeous photos and recipes that are specifically for athletes. So I'm curious about your race day food plan for a race like New York City Triathlon. I know it's a shorter race. It's probably going to take you around two hours, but can you walk us through your, your day in food? What would you usually eat pre-race, mid-race, and post-race? Um, yeah, so like I said, the 320 wake up. Uh, so it's really hard to get anything down at that time. But um, anybody coming into New York should get their bagel the day before, like go to a deli or bagel, like a bagel shop and get one. Um, that's what I would have, um, if I wasn't gluten-free. So I recently, like not that long ago became gluten-free. So I'll have like a gluten-free bagel, not a New York city bagel, but it works. Um, so I'll have that with, um, 
like maybe a little peanut butter or something on it. Um, and then a bottle of sports drink and then, um, out the door. Um, and then I continue to fuel with like a gel. Like I've used something called Exercel um, throughout the rest of the day. And then what does that post-race brunch look like for you? Um, it depends on like where we're headed. So if it's something in the neighborhood, I'll probably go get like a burger or something, but it'll be like eating brunch. And I'll be eating like a real meal while people are having something breakfasty, but um, it's definitely not going to be breakfast. <laughs> and part of that is that you might be like on the go right after your race because you are a mom of three. So I'm sure, you know, maybe that post-race time, you might not be going back home to the neighborhood to great. Maybe you're eating more on the go to get yeah. the kids where they need to go. Right. And we've seen Last you at races. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We've seen you at races with one or more of those kids cheering you on. And so a lot of our listeners are parents and might wonder if you have any kid-friendly snack ideas that you suggest as spectator fuel for triathlon, something that doesn't probably like melt easily, I guess. I'm trying to think of what like would, would categorize the best kid-friendly snacks for like a hot day while they're potentially standing around for a couple hours. I know. Yeah. That definitely not something that melts. Um, and like yogurt pouches would probably get really hot. Um, they like, my kids like crackers. They like salty snacks. So like things like chips or like healthy chips, um, goldfish, things like that. Um, and fruit. I try to give them fruit, like grapes would probably hold up. And drinks and, the, and uh, always water bottles. They always get thirsty. And I was going to say, they're probably seeing all the athletes too, like eating the tasty treats. It looks like right while they're racing. And it's like, I want some blocks or like, what are they having? Yeah. So it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've been fooled. Now they know they see the, um, like the protein bars that have like a piece of cake on the outside or a cookie. <laughs> and then they're like, yay, this is so good. And they open it. And now, so they're, they're, they know better now <laughs> that the, those bars aren't released to them all the time. <laughs> but they'll they'll come to this race. Oh, that's so cool that they get to come out and watch you. Again, it's a hometown race for them as well. Yeah. So Beck, you're also the defending champion of the survival of the Sean Gunks or SOS Triathlon that will be happening in September in New Paltz, New York. It's a bit north of the city. So SOS is a very unique and very popular race that I think it's already sold out for 2022. Can you tell us about the race and recap your win there and are do you also plan to go and try to defend that title this year yes yeah, so Jen, i am going to defend my title if you win you get a free entry for the next year so um, i decided to do it like a couple of days later after they told me that um, but it is one of those races that gets in your head uh, because it is so hard and no matter what you do to prepare for it there's always something that you can do better and that last year like my thing that i have in my head is the downhill running and I, it just like the course is almost all downhill, but you don't really, really understand that until you finish it and your quads are trashed. Uh, so this year I was like, I have broken down into segments and I'm like working on different pieces of it. And who knows, I could get to the race and something completely different could be the, like the issue. Uh, but it is, um, it is very fun race. You do a um, 30 mile uphill bike involving a 30 minute climb pretty big climb. Um, and then you run five miles up to a lake. Uh, they call them sky lakes. There are three of them in this area. I'm, I actually spend the summers in the town where the race is held. So it's also a hometown race. Um, and so you have to swim a mile and a half across a very cold lake and then carry carrying your, your shoot, right? Yeah. So you're carrying the thing. Let me not forget yeah. the major detail of 
carrying all your gear with you. So you have to swim with your running clothes. You get and to is, drop your bike and your Is home. this like um, swim run races? But like you don't have paddles for this one or you do have you no know, paddles for no this? No paddles, but no they paddles. do allow wetsuits and like some any of the other swim run like gear, I guess. Um, you don't have to use a buoy or any flotation thing, but you can use a bag and like drag your stuff. So different people have different strategies of how to carry their shoes. And last year I tried something. I got like a, I did get a swim run wetsuit, a shorty uh, legs and arm, like little sleeves. And I was able, I got it one size too big and I put the shoes inside the wetsuit and zipped it up. Hmm. Uh, and then I ran, when I ran, I put the shoes back on and then um, pulled the wetsuit down halfway. And it was great, but I think I did overheat a little bit. Uh, and the day wasn't that hot. So I was okay. Uh, Eddie, longer of a race I don't know if I would have been okay but I may employ I may do that again this year because it did work pretty well uh, but there's lots of different ways people do it so you have to after you do that first run um, and swim then you have to do two more of those two more swims uh, in also cold like beautiful lakes and one eight mile one six mile I don't know the exact distance but runs in between so they're long it's not like a swim run where it's like short little technical thing it's kind of a long haul between the swims and it's all on trails and is the last run up to some kind of tower or something I feel like I've seen a picture of this yeah so there's this monument um on top of the ridge here and you can see it for like miles away and at the top of that is the Mohonk Mountain House which is this really big old castle looking um, motel or hotel, sorry, not hotel at all. Uh, very fancy inside. Um, so it's, uh, it finishes there. And um, the last, you get out of the last swim and most people cramp. And then you have to run, <laughs> cramp to the point of like not being able to walk. And the, ha the first time I did it, that happened to me. Um, and people are standing around like, go, come on, you could do this. You're going to get there. You're almost done. And, and it's like, well, I can't even move my legs. So <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, but that you do have to run, it's like a 0.6 of a mile up to this uh, monument. And it's right at the top of the mountain with like cliffs all around, like 360 around you pretty much. Um, and that's where it finishes. So this past year, I had a lead going in to the last, like, I think I was tied going to the last swim. I got a lead in the swim and then I knew I just had to get up to the top. And I didn't know how far behind um, second place person was. But I had to stop. I was like, I don't think I could carry on. Like, I just, it hit me all those hours. I'm like, it was so incredibly hard. Um, and then somehow I like managed to will myself to the top and ended up winning for like by a few seconds. Uh, but it was really close. And Laurel, on the other hand, had like injured herself. And I didn't know this. She was about like 30, 20 minutes behind me. And um, she broke her foot, but managed to continue. And her last segment, was faster than mine with the <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> and so you mentioned that you're like working on specific things and to <clears throat> improve this year and things like that. What are like, what are you targeting so that you're, you're feeling strongest in this last leg? Um, well, there is a course record. And so that's something I'm targeting. Um, and last year was more about like, let's just get this done and see what you can do. Um, so I'm, I am targeting like a little bit more speed, um, in general, mostly. That has definitely been a race that's on my bucket list. So maybe for, you'll have to win again and then maybe we can race together in, in 2023. Yeah. So, 
Um, I love it. It's yeah. right up your alley. I feel like it. It, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, and Beck, we've ha- had your twin sister who we've been talking about, Laurel, on the show. And though you two have clearly made your paths in the your own paths in the sport, you've also had some really close finishes together. So have you consciously managed your relationship as twins and competitors so that you're presumably also able to stay friends? I mean, I believe that you are still friends too. So, you know, what's that dynamic like? Uh, we have very different attitudes when it comes to training. So that helps, uh, I think, because um, she's better at longer things. I like to do the shorter things. So like on the days that we have to do or that like, we're planning to do something in the pool, like anything 500 and up, she could lead that. And I know I just have to follow along. Um, and then if it's a run workout where uh, I've like got my paces down that I want to do and I really like, I usually have everything planned out. So she just can come and like, hang on. So it works out pretty well. Uh, there's some days where it's just like, we'll go our separate ways because it's just not working. But um, we do try to do most of our hard workouts together. And you have been an athlete for so much of your life, but clearly you're still racing super well. Are there any races or race experiences that are on your bucket list? Um, well, I started coaching athletes um, a couple of years ago and a bunch of them have done Ironmans. And I, every time I watch and track one, I think, I think I want to try one of these. Uh, I've done one Ironman brand race and I did one uh, full distance in, in um, Israel. And both of them like weren't great, but I did, <laughs> I finished one. So I kind of have that in the back of my head, like what would it be like to train for this? Could I do it? And like, what would happen if I did? So that's, that's sort of on the bucket list. Um, I have this year, all three of my kids will be in the same school for the same amount of time. And um, so come September, in a couple of weeks, um, you know, after summer, I think I'll have like a more regular schedule. So that might be a time where I could see if I could work it out. Well, you heard it here first on the Iron Women podcast, folks. This is exciting yeah. news. And I think that you've shown that, you know, you're certainly living that faster as a master kind of mentality and ability. And I think there's no reason long distance triathlon won't suit still being quite fast and, and strong. Like, I think this is actually a great plan for you. I, it could be. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, this year, also, the school buses uh, are coming back for us. We, we have, didn't have a school bus for the last um, two years. And so I had to, um, I got to run my kids to school in a stroller. Um, so that's where I kind of got back into running because I started doing it more because I was almost like forced to because I had to run. Um, it's a two and a half miles each way, two or three, two to three miles, depending how you go. Um, each way. So I was doing that every day and the mileage was adding up with one child at a time or three at uh, a time, I tri- two at most. Uh, oh, okay. That's still a lot too. And that to the point where they got like a little too big, okay. <laughs> it was, it was just a little too much. So this year I just did, I focused on one, but she's nine. Um, so and she's tiny for a nine-year-old, but I think it's time because other kids were like, why is Amy in a stroller still? <laughs> She's like, my mom's training for a marathon. <laughs> so she, uh, so this year, I think I'm going to move down to um, my so four-year-old great. who is only like less than 30 pounds. Um, so I'll get a break. 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, Beck, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us here today. Um, you know, we're really excited to and inspired by the things you've done in your career and have it's clearly not even close to being over yet. So we're really excited to continue. Hopefully in the next couple of years, our paths will cross at more races than they have in the last two years. So um, fingers crossed for that, for sure. Yeah, hope, oh, maybe I'll see you at some kind of trail or SOS. Yeah, yeah. I have to, that's going to go top of my list, I think, for 2023. We'll see if I can make that happen because um, that's been, it's been on the bucket list for too long. So I'll study what you do this year and, <laughs> and then you can give me all the pointers. Sounds good. I want to come too. I want to come yeah, too. Yeah, I'll do it. Thanks to Beck for coming on. I'm super excited to, um, you know, hear what happens at the New York City Triathlon this year. And everyone, if you want to sign up for the triathlon, head to nyctri.com, sign up. There's the triathlon. They added the duathlon this year. Of any event of your liking, if you don't want to swim in the Hudson, just do the duathlon instead. Um, get that race done. Get some brunch in New York City and enjoy the sights and sounds of the concrete jungle. Sounds like it's going to be a good yeah. time. I I am a little bit jealous. I think it sounds really fun. You know, I love those urban races, but I'm excited to race with Beck this weekend in Watkins Glen. So I will be uh, reporting back next week on how that goes. And Alyssa, good luck to you. I'm excited to hear more about your FKT. And, you know, I hope it goes smooth and I hope you get that overall record. I think that's, I think you got it in you. Thanks, Haley. I appreciate the confidence. I will, I look forward to kind of giving you all the details next week. Good luck in Watkins Glen. Enjoy that wine. And yeah, I can't wait to hear how that goes too, because that's in my neck of the woods. So um, have fun, race hard, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Alyssa. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.